Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Good afternoon, everybody. It is the Steve Jones Show on a Tuesday here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Matt Catrillo here with you. Steve will soon be there from the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, all new pre-owned inventory. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Penn State men's basketball officially making it official today with Greg Lee from Western Michigan. Who will come in as a transfer. 6'9 forward, average 13.7, over 7 rebounds per game last year. At Western Michigan was an All Mid American honorable mention, and he ha- he'll join Penn State next year with one year of eligibility remaining, and that looks like a pretty good sign there for Penn State, and we'll see what that turns out with uh, next year. He had 14 double-digit scoring games last year, a pair of 20, a pair of 20-point performances, and he had team best four double doubles last year for Western Michigan. So now we'll see what he can do on the big stage of the Big Ten. Let's see if he can add to the fold here for Penn State. With uh, John Hara and maybe him down low. At least maybe adds a little bit of depth there at that forward spot for Penn State. So that's officially official today for Greg Lee from Western Michigan. And of course... We saw the sad news earlier today. Jim Fossil, the former Giants head coach, passing away today at the age of 71. Of course, known for that big guarantee that he gave that the Giants would make the playoffs in 2000. And, of course, they went on to the Super Bowl before losing to the Ravens that season. And one of the more incredible runs you'll see lately, I guess, from, from the NFL and in the Giants' history. So, Jim Fossil, gone at the age of 71. Also in the NFL today is Aaron Rodgers not showing up for the start of OTAs at Lambeau Field. Which, of course, is not surprising. But the Packers have a choice to either 
fine him a little over 93000 for not showing up or make it as an excused absence and not fine him. So if they are continuing to work whatever this is out with Aaron Rodgers, I don't know why they don't make a decision on this sooner so you're not leaving your fan base kind of hanging on, well, okay, well, where do things, where does the relationship stand in terms of is he going to get fined or not for missing this time or are you going to make it an excused absence because he's your franchise quarterback you're trying to save? And if you're the Packers, that, that's a tough spot to be in. I, I honestly don't know what you do. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers doesn't care about losing the money because he's already given up a $500,000 sign-on or $500,000 bonus for a workout bonus or whatever he had in that contract. And 93K isn't going to be that much, Steve. But I don't know. Strange times continue in Green Bay. I don't think he's worried about it. Clearly. I mean, you know, he's, I mean, look. It's funny, I brought this up to the suit. He seemed to understand that it's no big deal to give up 93K. I mean, he's just, you know, some people just, they're loaded, right? And some people every day when you look at him, you think they're loaded. All right, so. Uh, <laughs> Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. I mean, really, it's just it's the way it is. Um, look, it's the off season. It doesn't really matter what he does. Um, they obviously have done something, and I'm talking about Brian Gunnigutz, has done something. And I don't think it's the drafting of Jordan Love. He's done something that has made him sit back and go, what? Like the, one of the worst things that you can do in any organization, and I mean this, is you cannot sit there in the office and you have somebody that, somebody or a group of individuals that are really valuable employees, and you can't, you, you can't blow them off. You can't. It's the wrong thing to do. You know, people that are in the trenches all the time, like in the trenches, can give you a perspective that is really important in moving forward. And look, it, um, I can tell you right now, one of the frustrations, I'll give you an example of this. One of the frustrations that Joe had for a while was that he felt like in the Big Ten, he would talk, he would go to these meetings and he would tell them, hey, look, what about this, 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 and this is an exact quote that he gave to me one time. Okay? This was just the two of us just having a conversation. And he said, Steve, you think after decades of being around the block, they'd want to hear somebody that had like some experience. And it frustrated him. Um, and, you know, you can't have people that are in management positions that always think that they're 
<laughs> okay, let's like okay, let's be honest. I mean, there's a reason why you know, there's a reason why some people are there, but there are also some people that just through their experience and going through things which they know what works and doesn't work just from experience that are worthy of being listened to. How about that? And you wonder if along the way Rogers was in that spot where he went in to talk to them and, and they're like, get out of here, we run the team, you don't. Okay. I was only trying to help. I'm wondering if that is something out of this that we're not taking into account. How about that? Now, that's not the biggest story of the day. It is for Matt, but it's like, yeah, whatever. It's just another whatever story. Um, No offense, Matt. To me, the big story is the Pete Thamel story. Um, which is, let's go back to um, something I talked about in this show back in December. So this goes back six months on the show. And believe me, people aren't still, like doing these things and listening to this show. I mean, they, they are not, okay? Even though when we get in meetings with the soup, we tell them they do. We just, we're, Matt and I only do that for job preservation. No, no, they listen to us. I mean, really, <laughs> I'll play them. <laughs> no. uh, but we talked about this back in December, and then I brought the topic back up in March when college basketball was hitting March Madness. They are looking at different models for a college football playoff. And guess which model might be in the lead in the clubhouse? Now, it doesn't mean they're going to do it, but is the one that's being talked about the most a 12-team playoff. Now, the only reason I brought up a 12-team playoff back in December and then brought it up again in March is I felt 16 was too many, but I felt 8 was not enough. So I thought 12 And that is, by the way, one one of the th- items they're considering. So why did I? Why have I felt this way about it? Okay, there's several reasons why. A expansion, but B12. Because it's not a vitamin shot. Okay, next. Okay, Just, he's, does he scare you? He scares me. Right. He says some things that we're like you and I get confused. S-U-I-T, that spells Suta! Well, it's the only guy on the show that can spell. All right, so the number one, above everything else, is I think that you need to spread the wealth across the country. In the NFL, if a team has has a great year, so let's take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Where do they draft, Matt? 32nd. They yeah, draft last. Dead last. Right. In college football, you win the national championship. You've got five stars left and right like gravitating in your direction. It's the opposite of the NFL. So thus, what's happened over time is the unintended consequence that when you put this together, 
the unintended consequence is that you've had a sameness to it. Oh, Alabama's back. Okay, Clemson's back. Okay, you know, Oklahoma's back. Okay, great. Notre, you know, Notre Dame's in for the second time. Yeah. Ohio State's back in again. You've had a sameness to it, which has, over time, eroded the popularity of it. Oh, great. And I think it's also, in, in turn, eroded interest in the month of November in college football. Because at that point, it's pretty much on track to be the same four teams. All right? I don't think that's helped. Now, the next part. When you've been going through the college football playoff in the last five years, so 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, the furthest west that any team has been has been Norman, Oklahoma. You don't grow the game that way. You don't grow interest in the game that way, which is why then during the during the NCAA basketball tournament, actually before it began, when they announced the 68 teams, I talked about the college football playoff, and I thought they should go to 12. And the reason I brought it up then is that the NCAA tournament has 68 teams, and they represent all parts of the country. Okay? The 48... states are represented. You know, obviously Alaska and Hawaii can be, but you know, Hawaii was pretty good a couple of years ago, but you know, they, you know, they don't get teams in. So we're talking about 48 states. So every corner of the country is represented. And ironically, in this particular year the furthest east any team was was Houston, Texas in the final four. Doesn't usually work that way. You got a Duke or a North Carolina and whatever. But every part of the country is represented. So you're either an alumnus or an alumna of one of the schools, or you're a fan of one of the schools, or they're in your state or something, and it at least generates a lot of interest in the three weeks, especially people doing brackets. College football doesn't have that because like the Pac-12 has not really been very good. But you're also cutting off half the country interest-wise. That's why I propose 12 with automatic bids. So the Big Ten country always has a rep. SEC does. ACC, Big 12, and the Pac-12. Now you've got all parts of the country represented. What you do with the other bids, now I think the sixth bid, and they talked about this, an automatic bid should be given to the group of five team. In this particular year, it would have been Cincinnati. Then the other five at-large bids are available to go out. Now, in this particular year, this past year, Notre Dame got an at-large bid, but they were playing out of the ACC. Which brings us to reason number three. You can't do it because there's a current contract. But college sports needs quick cash, and you can't do it like Major League Baseball or the NBA. You just can't, or the NHL, where you expand and you can get quick quick cash from expansion fees. You don't do expansion in college sports. We're going to put a franchise in Bloomsburg. Great. 
You have to charge them an expansion fee. No. So how do you do it? The infusion of quick cash comes from the expansion of the college football playoff. That's where you would get it from. You have eight-figure losses across the board in college sports from the past year. I mean, eight figures. And you're not just going to make up for it in a couple of years of great gates and whatever. You're going to have to have an expansion of money from somewhere. Part of that will be TV contracts coming up. The Big Ten is first, by the way. And also the college football playoff. This can help start replenishing coffers for college sports so you can continue to have all the sports that you do have. So there's a lot of reasons I think they should go to 12. We've talked about it, and I laughed when I saw the article this morning. I said, 12? (laughs) We've been talking about that since December. And just so the suit knows, they obviously listen to the show. (laughs) Uh, Maybe not. You, sir, are my hero. Actually, Tony Knopp would be in that category. He's coming up in a few minutes as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mertz family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. All right, Tony Knob, next half hour. Great to have you with us today. And that Topol Hockey commercial was great. Yeah, always has a bottle in the booth. It's funny, we said the same thing about the soup, but we weren't thinking it was water. (laughs) Have you heard the broadcast? (laughs) I just got a text. I hate this show. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Taking your calls at 800 795 9565. This is The Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Great to have you with us today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Lincoln Kia Hyundai. Great new inventory, fabulous pre-owned inventory. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. 
from sales to service, they take care of you completely. We're going to talk to Tony Knopp here in a moment. And Tony is now in with us. Great to have him with us. My friend, so great to hear from you. Uh, Welcome back. My goodness, how time changes. Since the last time we talked, we're going to have full fans for some fun games. And that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the fact that we're going to do this and and the impact. Uh, So let, let me start with this. How much ground needs to be made up and how long could it take to make up that ground? It depends on who the provider is. Um, if you are a sponsor provider, if you are a um, live events provider, a lot of those companies didn't have a whole lot of um, output over the pandemic. So they didn't, you know, they basically just furloughed their entire staff and they didn't run their music festivals or whatever else. If you're talking about you know, businesses that are, you know, more well-known, you know, Live Nations, the Ticketmasters, the Learfield IMGs, the players like that. I mean, you know, these are businesses that were profitable uh, prior to the pandemic. Coming back online, they're not really going to start making real money probably until mid to late 2022. And that, that's what's going to bring them back to where they were, um, which is why you're seeing such a large rush to come back. I mean, the event schedule is, the event calendar is almost doubled up. Because what a lot of people don't realize is a lot of the events that didn't happen weren't actually canceled. Most people held on to their tickets. And so all of those have to be fulfilled first before they can start making money on new events. Makes a big difference. Now, the sports part of it. All right. Let's talk about the ticket boom. Are you sensing any hesitancy? of fans of wanting to get back or are you sensing that they're over the next couple of months that people are anxious to get back you know it's funny it's um i'll say something that maybe somebody who talks a lot about our industry shouldn't say um i think this boom there, there is a massive boom and it's going to continue for another year and that boom is driven by um the highest savings rates we've ever seen so people weren't out spending their money they weren't out vacationing they weren't out doing those things and so now you have this you know, unreasonable receive, expectation of I've got and, all this money, I'm going to go spend it. Um, and they so receive I think pandemic this boom checks. is going to hold. Yeah, yeah. Spend your spend your uh, your stimmy check, right? And I think that you're going to see, you know, pretty significant spending into live events for the next nine to twelve months. And then I think it's going to slow down a little bit. I don't think it's going to go into like a recession area for live events, but I do think we're going to get back to a form of reality. But I do expect high prices, high demand, high everything uh, through the next year's college football season, the NFL season, and, and all of the, you know, the Diamond events, the Super Bowls, Masters, Final Fours. I think those are going to just have a big year between September and April, barring a fourth wave of some kind. All right, so now let's, let's go to the next part. All right. The NHL has now expanded, so Seattle comes in, which means they've received about $1.15 billion and expansion fees from both Vegas and Seattle combined. Mm-hmm. Do you see the NBA and Major League Baseball going the expansion route because of quick cash capability? The problem, yes, but not the same between the two of them. Um, the the labor issues with baseball are so bad, I think they're going to have a hard time pushing through 
bulk expansion, especially considering what they just did with minor league baseball and you know cutting a number of teams and cutting some spending there. I think there is a big labor talk that's going to happen with baseball prior to an expansion, and I think you could see Oakland relocate, right? Oakland could end up in Vegas. I think basketball uh, has been laying the groundwork for that for quite a while. I think what, what, and what the NBA has done so, so well is they're starting to mimic the success that the Premier League's had um, in having the G League and in having you know, these cities that they can almost test for a little while before they turn them into um, you know, premium cities that host an NBA team. But I think the NBA's labor situation, because they have revenue sharing, is so much easier for them. And their labor piece is a little bit better right now. I think they have a lot better prospects for moving into expansion than baseball does. But look, both, I mean, you cite the, the money that the Seattle Kraken got, and you cite the money that the Las Vegas um, Golden Knights got, but, I mean, the, the D.C. United was just valued at $700 million. So there's definitely an expansion fee boom out there. The question is just how many billionaires are there that can buy the team in today's environment? Because now it's not just a question of, is there a billionaire who can do it? It's, is there a billionaire who's not going to upset the populace, the players, and the labor force? And that's and, and, and again, you look at the group that was put together by Alex Rodriguez to buy the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, they're right. not talking about keeping them in Minneapolis. They're talking about sending them to Seattle, which is a has been a prime bargaining chip in the NBA to get better arenas that if you don't go, you can go to Seattle just like the NFL used Los Angeles. Is that correct? Yeah, and, and look, that argument, that, that bargaining chip has only gotten stronger with the wild success of the Kraken. The Seattle Kraken yeah. sold out quickly and easily. Um, more importantly, the corporate sponsorships they had there sold out quickly and at high levels. They are doing a very good job of kind of mimicking what happened in Las Vegas. We'll see what they do with the expansion draft. I think uh, I think they made the Golden Knights a little too good too fast. They might pull back on that gas pedal a little bit. Yes. But um, I think that that's what's going to happen. I think, you know, there's so much success in Las Vegas and Seattle that even if you move the Minnesota Timberwolves to Seattle, you now have Las Vegas as your bargaining chip, which the A's are already using. Vegas has a NBA-ready arena. They have everything that you need as far as facilities, and now you've already had the NHL and the NFL go into the city, which eliminates the stigma of sports betting around it. So, yes, they've been using the Seattle chip for quite a long time. I think they might actually cash that chip now because they have Vegas in their back pocket. And uh, Nashville is growing as a city that people are considering for you know, those live events because the Predators have been so strong and the uh, Titans have done, done pretty well. Yeah, no question. All right, so now let's continue on the cash mode. Yahoo Sports and Pete Thamel reporting today something you and I have talked about, and as you know, I brought up the idea of 12 in the college football playoff back in December. Mm-hmm. Uh, what We know that uh, athletic departments, for the most part, were running eight-figure losses for the, for the past fiscal year. Yeah. What there aren't many avenues to make it up. Is the college football playoff once this contract is up a way to start making that up? Yes, and uh, there are some ways for them to make it up. Sports betting, uh, cannabis, those sorts of things that are, are going to be the slowest into college sports for every reason that we could all imagine. Um, there are different 
venues or different avenues for them. Uh, NFT, crypto. There's there's new sponsorship channels that are opening up that are going to make them some money. But in the end, you know, you want to take the money and, and just to, to, to make this as simple as possible because we'll t- I'm sure we'll talk about the Olympics in a second too which is exactly what's happening there all that's really happening is these schools are saying why are we enriching the bowl games right we're, we're disrupting we're making it so that the bowls are no longer standalone they're starting to be consolidated into a college football playoff and then we have a little bit more democratic way of spreading money around so that this isn't you know, a handful of schools, you can actually involve more schools, and therefore the rising tide raises all boats. Because if you have more teams in contention, you have more teams that can make money throughout the year. Because I think what the common fan doesn't pay attention to is they think, I don't need to see um, Central Florida in the playoff. I don't want to watch them play Alabama. But you probably do want to watch them play more than you would if they're going to the playoff in their games in November and December. Exactly. And that's what college football is looking at. See, we think the same way. I bet that's exactly what you and I were talking about. All right, yeah. so now so let's they're, get they're to looking, the... They're not looking at this and saying, we think the first round of the college football playoff is going to be super exciting. I hope it is, and maybe it is, right? I mean, yeah. none of us thought that Ohio State was going to win the title in the first year of the college football playoff when they had their third-string quarterback show up, and they did, right? And and that team right. wouldn't have played in the old BCS formula. No, but exactly right. this comes down to how much more money can I drive out of regular season games? And this enables you to drive more money. It's the same exact thing that the NBA did with the play-in tournament. Now, we get to the Olympics. Is this a come hell or high water deal for them? Because NBC sounds to me like they've told everybody, they're going. It's go time. They're going. It's happening. Yeah. 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 It's happening because the IOC holds all the cards. Nobody can stop them. All of these contracts are guaranteed. They're going to get their money one way or the other. And, you know, if we've learned anything from watching the IOC or FIFA or any of those international organizations over the last few decades, <laughs> they care about money and nothing else. And that's what's going to happen. They're going to say, look, you need to fill our coffers. Our contracts say that this is going to happen, so it's going to happen. And they are in a dicey situation. And, look, they did it to themselves when you piggyback Beijing on Tokyo because now you have a threat in Beijing of sponsors saying maybe we can't be as active. Uh, I mean, there's not going to be any boycotts, but there's probably going to be some kind of activism while you're there. So if you're the Olympics, you're really not looking at another big payday until Paris. I mean, Milan is a great city, but summer games are triple what the winter games are as far as economic impact goes. And so I think it happens either way. And I think it just happens because the FC says it happens. That's it, right? I mean, look, we want our money. We're going to run the games. Does this open the door to Tokyo getting 2032 as a makeup? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, what's, what, what was interesting that happened in our space over the last couple of weeks was, and we've known about it for months, that Endeavor won the bid for the hospitality um, contract for Milan, Paris, and Los Angeles. They bid a billion six on that. And the next bid was a billion three, and that was NBC. So for those who think that the Olympics are slowing down, it isn't. There's more money coming out of it, and they're disrupting what's happening with all of the different providers that are out there. If you're going to have that big a bid, and you're going to show enough value into that bid as we start going into the games, right? Because their, their first games is going to be Milan. Um, I'm sorry, Paris. Uh, they're going to start to want to show that their success here 
And then you want to dangle that next carrot of the next package of games. And Tokyo is a sure thing. I mean, the one thing Tokyo really had going for it prior to COVID hitting was we were seeing just bonkers numbers as far as on sales for pricing, for demand, for hotels, for all of it. I mean, Tokyo was going to set every record under the sun. So they'd be crazy not to go back there in 2032 and try to get what they were hoping to get in 2020. Yeah, because that's what I've thought. There's, it was a makeup opportunity because essentially that's yeah. about what they did with Paris and L.A. They said, look, they both bid for in 24, so they just split them, gave one 24, the other 28. Yeah, they're 28. Uh, yeah, and look, it's not there's there's not no precedence for this. I mean, I know it's summer versus winter, but Beijing was 2008, and now it's 2022. That's a 14-year split, right? This is a 12-year split. It's not unheard of. No, it's not unheard of. Exactly right. Uh the fans will probably not be able to go. So what does yeah. that do? Now, look, the driver's TV, and, and NBC's the biggest driver of all, but does that do anything to the games in terms financially? What kind of blow is it that they're, you know, we all know in Major League Baseball you need 40% of the gate. The NBA's about 35%. Yeah. What do the Olympics need normally well, the vast majority of the Olympics revenue comes from rights and sponsorships, um, so they'll they'll do just fine. But yes, the ticket sales generally drives the local govern the local governing bodies a little bit better. So, you know, when you are the way the Olympics works, I'm not going to go into too much detail on it, but the way the Olympics works is a lot of the ticketing is actually given out to each one of the countries, and the countries have their own organizations that they sell tickets through. And for total um, total disclosure, we help sell tickets for. I think it's like 40 countries now. Um, so it's going to hurt the country's governing bodies, uh, the USOC, the USOPC, um, you know, Australia's governing body more than it's going to hurt the actual event itself. Like they do have the economic impact of it that you can imagine, but it also hurts all the local countries when you don't have the ability to sell the tickets into, into the customers. And so I think there's still going to be sponsorship for it. I think, unfortunately for all of us, um, as if we haven't had enough politics over the past couple of years, um, <laughs> yeah. I think the Tokyo games and the, and the Beijing games are going to be the most political games we've seen in 30 years. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you about that. Um, yeah, the Tokyo ruling party, I mean, look, they the, the general public does not want to host the games. They, they've been very vocal uh, about it. I mean, every survey out yeah. there, 65 to 70% say this shouldn't happen, and they're going to lose more money on it. And then in Beijing, um, you know, there's a belief that you know, many of those who are in power now, you know, one of the crowns in their in their um, or one of the crowns in their in their uh, in their throne is that they were so successful with the Beijing Games of 2008, and this is an opportunity right. for you know the the challenging party to pull that throne to pull that crown out as well by making 2022 a dud. So, just get ready for a lot of very politically skewed stories around these two games. Yeah, no, well, no question. In fact, Beijing. There's been talk of boycotts, and look, oh, yeah. I, I, I know, I know two athletes personally that were in the '80 boycott. You know, athletes, yeah. all right, yeah. as well. They're Tony, the only ones so. who got hurt. It, 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 oh, exactly hurt. right. They're the only the only ones that yeah. got hurt were their participants. Yeah, I don't think we'll see boycotts, but I think we'll see activism of some kind. And it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out because they don't have patience for that in China. I was there for the Beijing Games in 08 for a month. I've seen how they do things from, you know, behind the curtain. And it's uh, <laughs> they don't have the same rules and the same um, 
belief in rights as we do. Hmm, I never would have known that. That's <laughs> yeah. It was, I saw some things happen there that I just, you know, there are stories that we tell over drinks about suitcases full of money and automatic weapons, and it was just crazy. It was yeah. it, everything that you thought it would be in a corrupt international event was right in front of me. Uh, of the sports in this country, which do you think will come out of the pandemic in pretty good shape? And I'll, I'll throw one out there. Now, we know the NFL will. So besides yeah, that. Yeah, I was going to say, the NFL is the easy one. Yeah. The, 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 that's the easy one. My guess is I think MLS comes out of this in pretty good shape. Yeah. Well, what helps the MLS the most is the uh, labor piece that they came to last summer. Um, yeah. You know, what, what a lot of fans don't understand is a lot of these economics are really impacted by employee costs. Employee cost is, you know, the stars and the athletes. Um, the NBA is, is driven by a lot more ticketing revenue than most people understand. So when you don't have fans for that long, the revenue that's being shared is difficult. And now you're going to have another conversation about what kind of revenue share there is. And, and the next time you do a collective bargaining agreement, there's going to be a – you're going to have a very long argument over – force majeure right what is force majeure what happens if the pandemic shuts it down because now we have precedence for this that it's happened and that puts them in a precarious position um because that happens with their sponsors too uh what what mls did which is very well i mean first of all mls is an outdoor sport which is very helpful um yep. not as a contact sport like the nfl it's growing significantly and most importantly they have labor peace right now and you know, their feeder systems are very strong. They made a move the other day that most people wouldn't have noticed that might have slipped underneath the radar where they're starting to create a minor leagues that yep. um, playing into the MLS. So they're starting to create this system. The only question with the MLS is going to be how them being separated from the men's national team and women's national team's media rights is going to impact them because there was some belief that because those deals were packaged, MLS was getting more money. I don't, you know, since we just saw you know, the D.C. United valued at $725 million. I don't think that's a concern. Um, but who knows, right? But I do think the MLS is in, is in really strong, is in a really strong position. So is the NHL. I mean, look, for all the mistakes the NHL has made over the last 20-something years, um, not the they last really 18 nailed, months. They yeah, really not nailed the last expansion. 18 months. Yeah, I mean, the Kraken and Golden Knights are were wild successes. And... Yeah. The product in the ice has been good. They have young stars. They have labor peace. Um, look, I mean, I was a casualty of the lockout of 2004. I was working for the LA Kings at that point. Yep. And then they had another one. But look, when you come out of those wars and you have labor peace and you have a framework for that labor peace, and now the pandemic happens to come out of it, again, the one thing that costs you the most money that's the most variable, which is or the most uh, delicate, which is labor, you have solved where the other leagues don't. That's a good spot to be in. Okay. Gary Bettman, to his credit, Tony, said, we're not going to go back until you, the players, tell me you're ready. If you say we're ready on July 20th, we'll go July 20th. If you think you can't be ready till August 10th, we'll go August 10th. Mm-hmm. It was like one of those, like, wow, this guy learned, and then they struck a four-year extension of their deal mm-hmm. with the players to go with new TV deals with ESPN, Turner. Yeah, they're back on the big back on the big names yeah, again, right? Yeah. yeah. So now, one final question, right? Now let's go to something that's near and dear to both of our hearts. How well does college sports 
football, men's basketball come out of this? And how much time does it take to really come out of it in such a way where all sports are helped? I think college, the, I think the money, college sports. And that doesn't necessarily mean basketball or football because it depends on what school you're at, right? I mean, college basketball at some schools drives an inordinate amount of revenue, whereas at like a USC or a Penn State, it's an also ran to the football team. You know, those football teams are on $800 million budgets. Um, college football had its own problems going into the pandemic, and I think the pandemic weakens it significantly. I think, um, you know, the, the passing of the NIL and the further empowerment of college athletes, which I'm totally aligned with, and I know you are too, yes. is going to create a circumstance where, you know, um, there, there's an interesting book a couple of years ago written by Kevin Kelly that talks about that most wealth isn't created, it's just moved. Like when you talk about something that disrupts an industry, all you're doing is moving money from one side to the other. And, yep. and that's what's going to happen. Is there's, there's this pressure on the college institutions as the money is starting to be moved from them into the athletes' coffers and into those that are around the athletes. And a lot of that money that's, you know, the dark money that, you know, the $180,000 that goes to Cam Newton, that stuff comes to light and you start to get, you start to get value. So I think right now you're in, we're in a place where you're trying to create a consolidation of, you know, universities with the college football playoff at the same time that you're creating super leagues that are even less tied together than they've ever been, right? right? The Big Ten is so healthy. The SEC is so healthy. The Pac-12 is teetering. The ACC is on its back. The Big East collapsed. Like, you know, we're really moving towards, and, you know, I, I apologize to the, to the listeners that I often point towards European soccer, but European soccer has just been around longer as a commercial yes. concern. So a lot of the things that they've experienced, we just are kind of moving our way towards. I worry that college football is moving in the direction of like Italian soccer or Spanish soccer as opposed to European as opposed to English soccer where right. the lower tier teams are just they cannot compete right they're they're they don't have the firepower they don't have the facilities I think Penn State will be fine I think USC will be fine I think the big schools will be fine I think you're going to have a real problem with the tier 2 college football programs because if they can't get through the next 2 years and they might not be able to make it you know, if they're not getting those TV contracts, if they don't have an opportunity to, you know, be anything but saw, you know served up three days a week, three days a year, it's going to create an environment that might not be all that compelling to watch. My friend, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. Uh, need to do this more often, okay? Yeah, for sure. We're coming up on whiskey already. You guys got a great opener. I know you texted me about that, and that I can't wait. I, are you going to go? I might. I might. Dave's trying to get me to go, Ooh. so we'll see. I'm loving it. All right. We'll talk right, brother, again. We'll talk Thanks, my friend. Tony Knopp, a slice of radio gold, in part because it's it, the suit hates the segment because he doesn't like when we talk about money. Yes. He, he, he thinks that, that sports is still fantasy land, right? And let's face it, his life is a fantasy land. 